Hey guys, welcome back. BGC Gara here. We're back with Season 9, Episode 51 of our weekly Q&A videos. Uh, I was going to say this is for the week of, but then I realized that that's the wrong thing. I'm all mixed up. I'm a little tired today. Yeah, you're out of sorts? No. Well, does out of sorts Discombobulated. have more a negative connotation? Like, I don't maybe know. Maybe it does. I don't know. Anyways, this is a video on a podcast, and there is a way of consuming it in both formats. Uh, and you can figure that out if you want right. to, or right. you cannot figure it out if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> you can pretty much do whatever you want. I actually have very little uh, control over what you do on a sort of moment-to-moment basis, yes, and true. even on sort of like a like a macro level, I have almost no sort of planning uh, capacity in your life. So you can kind of just do whatever, and I hope you do uh, things that make you feel good and right. set yourself up for success okay. in life. <laughs> So this is the, the opportunity at the beginning sometimes to, to, to ground it in what's happening in our lives, like the present. Yeah. So I want to say a couple things. One is, I, well, I don't want to mention a book that I've just been reading, but I wanted, while it's on top, top of mind, I just finished watching the first season of a show called Happy Valley. Yeah. Uh, it's not a happy show. It's a police drama. Mm-hmm. It is really good. It is well written. The plotting is sharp. The acting is superb. That tension like there were moments I I'm not a crier. There were moments that I, I became teary, mm. and there the, my gut was like it was. I felt like it was in the back of my throat. Like my heart was kind of mm. back of my throat. My gut was there. Like everything was just. I felt like really invested. Excellent show. The British do something with their TV shows that I think North American television doesn't, and it has a lot to do with casting, because they are not the the actors in the shows are not what you'd call classically beautiful yeah and it helps because then it feels more real in some ways they feel more just like folks yeah and not actors who are pretending that's cool yeah excellent excellent show if you're looking for sort of an excellent show that's a lot more positive can i recommend acapulco okay it's an apple tv plus show so you'll have to either watch it on there or find another place to get at it Mm -hmm. uh but it's it's really well written. It's super good for a lot of the same reasons, but it's kind of the opposite sort of vibe where it's just warm and fun. Yeah. And so it's like it's like a dramedy ish, but it's focuses a lot more on sort of the plot sort of yeah. unfurling and more on the comedy and warmth of a dramedy. It's a it's a really sort of character driven story, right. and it does a great job with all the writing and everything. Two seasons out, I watched. Uh, the second season relatively recently and I just rewatched the first season uh, mm-hmm. and it is a fun watch the second time it's a fun watch the first time uh, it's right. it's really really good I would highly recommend okay. it yeah I intend to watch it my problem is the way you described it there are it's predominantly English but there are moments with Spanish with subtitles that you need to yeah because it's set in Mexico yeah. Uh, and they speak English or Spanish as it would make sense. It's set in Mexico, sort of centered around a resort. Okay. And so they speak Spanish when it would make sense for them to speak Spanish, and they speak English when it would make sense for them to speak English. Right. And there's subtitles, but you know, uh, you you do have to read sometimes, and it yeah. you have to be ready to read at any time because right. it can swap between them pretty fluidly. It's not like right. there's you know one scene an episode where they start talking Spanish. You know, it might be them switching 
you know, from one language to another, like right. within a conversation or from right. like moment to moment. Yeah. See, this is my difficulty. I don't have a lot of time to watch content. So yeah, the key times for me is when I skip rope, where I can pay attention to the screen. I'm not looking at anything else, but that's only, um, one, two, three, four, five, like 150 minutes a week. Yeah. And that's it. So yeah. 30 minute, five sessions. I don't get through a lot of content. And yeah. I, what I've been watching lately when I've been doing that is the physical 100 on Netflix. Yeah. Which is really weird because I don't know if it's the way they they've dubbed it, mm-hmm. but the the things that they, the way people talk, it doesn't feel natural. They're Korean, yeah, but it feels there's is it maybe like a, a difference in convention and manners that there's certain phrases that I I just don't expect them to come out of their mouths like that, like yeah. very polite, very um, considerate, and very yeah, non. How do you say it? So I'm just used to when you're watching sports, people get really into it. Like it's, yeah. And they do all these things to make like it non-confrontational. More... Yeah. Non-aggressive. Yeah, non-aggressive, which is I'm not used to in yeah. um, North American sports. And it, it's even more jarring when you see these people who are really big and muscular. Like they look like yeah. they should be... Angry. Really? Yeah. There's like a culture of being kind of like trash talking. Yes. And... Uh, trying to get in somebody else's head, yes. right? Where the your yes. your victory is supposed to be both physical and mental. <laughs> yes. You're yes. really supposed to kind of beat them down. And that's yeah. like one of the ways that you're supposed to sort of get the upper hand is to right. take up mental space and energy right. for them. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It is very, very interesting. I think it's interesting, when, especially when you watch like a lot of stuff from another culture uh, or one show a lot where you can start to sort of pick up on patterns of stuff because sometimes it's hard to tell if it's just the individual person or the individual show or if it's more representative of its culture right because obviously you don't want to watch like a single reality tv show from somewhere else right and then go i bet this is what everybody in this country is like (laughs) that's right because if you think about some of the reality tv shows that you've watched that are set in like america or the uk or canada Right. right uh you know, that are totally not representative of what most people right. are like in your country. Right. Uh, you can't triangulate too much. Right. But then if you if you start seeing more stuff, you start to be able to sort of triangulate at least a little bit. You go, this is how people on reality TV act in this country. Right. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed uh, from the limited amount of uh, Japanese reality TV that I've watched is that they seem to be less interested in drama and they seem to be more willing to show the like crew that there are other people involved right. in a reality TV production. Right. Uh, in a way that North American reality TV shows really aren't. Right. Like that one is that it's Japanese, right? Where the kids um, do the errands. What's it called? Um, oh, old, old enough. enough. Yeah. That is totally. Japanese. So you can totally see the crews. Yeah. And they don't try to hide it. And they'll, right. you know, say like, oh, the, the crew came in to help and whatever. And there's a really great uh, reality TV show that's on Netflix called uh, Inori Love Wagon. Okay. And there was a whole scene where they chastised the group of people. The, the whole plot is that they're supposed to be like, I think it's five. It's been a while since I've watched it. People who are on this sort of van trip together. And they're supposed to, uh, I, they call it like a poor man's vacation. So they don't give them like a huge amount of extra money. Uh, They have sort of like pocket money and stuff, but it's meant to allow them to live, but not like extra. But not enjoy themselves. (laughs) No, it's just not extravagantly. It's supposed to sort of mimic like a backpacking trip, like a find yourself kind of trip. So they might, you know, choose to cook a meal one day to save money. uh, If their uh, hotel has like 
uh, a, an, a stove that they can use. Right. Or they might, you know, they'll have money, but it'll be enough, like, they'll have money and free time to go to, like, a market, but mm-hmm. it'll only be enough to buy, like, a meal there if you want, like, an extra, like, snack and try some new food or, like, right. like a small souvenir. Right. They're not, like... Give, giving them really sort of like big bombastic stuff and then every once in a while they do sort of little excursions that are clearly planned by the crew right um but there was like an extended scene in one of the episodes where a bunch of people lost track of time and they came back like an hour late mm-hmm. and there's an extended scene where one of the producers came up and chastised them <laughs> for making like all that. the crew wait right and like the camera people wait and they said you know everybody's here right you get to have this nice trip and there's a lot of people here who are doing their jobs Right. And they're holding yeah. big, heavy cameras and they're following you around all day. Yeah. So when you show up an hour late, these people don't have as much time to sleep. They have to work longer hours. They're holding this big stuff. They're like, it's not respectful. Right. So we're trying to make you have a good time. We're trying to help you find like a relationship mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, and you're not being respectful of their time. And then they apologize to the camera crew, right, right. like in front of like everybody. And that was like, not only did that happen, but it also made the edit, right? Like that was the sort of dramatic tension in that part of the show was you guys are not being considerate of the people around you who for them, this is a job for you. It's a vacation. It's sort of a fun thing. And for them, it's a job. And I saw that and it has stuck with me so strongly because in most reality TV in North America, they want you to pretend that nobody else exists except for the people. Right. It is just about them. There is not anything about anybody else. And there was a thing on Ainori where one of the people, one of the contestants on the show, was not interested in any of the men. And it turns out she had a crush on one of the cameramen. Ah. Or like one of the PAs. Right. And then they brought the PA onto the show. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I like that. So it's, okay. But it's it's really interesting and it's humanizing of sort of the the people making it in a way. And it's it's hard to not notice when you look at sort of reality tv shows especially because like sometimes there'll be like a host yeah. right and that host is like the only other person who's allowed to exist the camera right. crew doesn't exist right there's nobody around they yeah. they make it seem like they're in sort of their own pocket universe right, right. where the only people that exist right. are and they will make exceptions with medical emergency or something i'm thinking of survivors specifically yeah but it's like a big deal when yeah. you see yeah. like a paramedic you go oh my god Right. They brought yeah. somebody else onto the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you have all of those things where they're being prompted with questions for like the confessionals. Right. 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 And instead of, um, you know, they, they've edited out anybody asking them questions, all of that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's almost never the hand of a producer. And there was like, for example, a uh, scene in like Love is Blind mm-hmm. where one guy got in a fight and he got really upset and he came out and he was talking to like a cameraman or a producer. And he's like, come on. Don't tell me you wouldn't be pissed off if you saw that. And the person behind the camera was like, "Like, what do you like? Wh- like, somebody should be pissed off." And he's like, "No, I'm talking about you, right?" Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it's a really weird sort of like, um, it, it almost feels like it's breaking the fourth wall to even acknowledge that there are mm-hmm. other people there, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of that. But then in like you know Japanese reality shows, and I think also a part of that is like this um idea that they often have like the people reacting to it, right? Mm-hmm. They have like a sort of secondary group who is watching the same edit that you're watching right. in a studio and then giving their feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, they're m- a lot more willing to bring attention to stuff and like acknowledge that there are other people there and that it is a mm-hmm. show that is being worked on by a crew right. and not like sucking you into this sort of like alternate reality, alternate reality of the show. And I, right. I think that's really interesting. And obviously I don't think I know nearly enough about Japanese culture to right. say what that means about the culture at well, large. It, all it really does say is that these are the conventions of this kind of storytelling that yeah. they're used to. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's an interesting difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you, you kind of see little stuff like right. that. Neat. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing in terms of media, I just finished reading a book called Babel, The Necessity of Violence mm-hmm. by uh, R.F. Kuang, Wong, Hong, something. I can't remember how it's like, I'm always not really familiar. Like, is I think it's romanization. Yeah is one way and then there's another term for it when it comes from mandarin like there's one for cantonese and one for mandarin so i'm not really sure but anyways so the the idea is that there's well actually i don't even really want to get the idea i think if your language is important there's a system of magic that involves silver and magic and language which is kind of neat and interesting what i really liked about it and this book did very well there's that tension between when you're not of a culture yeah and or you're and you're or you're not of the elite and whether you want to actually assimilate yeah. and get to enjoy the privileges of the elite mm-hmm. or whether you want to just totally tear it all down and make it fair for everybody yeah or not maybe for i mean that seems idealistic not so much make it fair for everybody but just to make it as fair for as many people as possible to try to make things better instead of to make things better for yourself right and so all right. So the other thing was, I was at an um, an event. It was a talk with yeah. R.F. Kuang and another writer that I hadn't read, but I, but I will now because she had some really interesting things to say. The one thing that came up during that talk, an idea that stuck in my head was, do you really want to make things better or do you want diversification of the elite? Mm. And that was what you just said, right? Like yeah. whether you want to make it better for everybody everybody yeah. or whether you want to just make it better for yourself or in some ways if the principle you're standing for and you're trying to pretend that you're not selfish mm-hmm. is that you're all you're really doing is making the elite a little bit more diversified and yeah. does that really achieve anything because people make the argument that well wh- I'm, I'm changing things from the inside mm-hmm. i'm just creating the possibility yeah. that um other people have access to this yeah but the system is still predicated the like capitalism right it's still predicated yeah. on the um the owners taking the workers mm-hmm. and extracting value out of yeah. what they provide which means basically underpaying them for the value of their work mm-hmm. anyways it was really neat like the the book itself is really neat it was clearly i mean i'm obviously appreciating it in a different mm-hmm. way after that talk yeah but really interesting and so if you've Anybody with some familiarity with the immigrant experience and mm-hmm. the the desire not to stand out, to assimilate, and still maintain a little bit of your own identity, yeah, really interesting. It captures that beautifully, mm-hmm. so I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, you know what you were talking about just kind of twigged in me. There's all these conversations about ChatGPT and AI mm-hmm. and the future of AI right now. Right, and one of the things that's interesting is that I have been somebody who for a very long time was interested in mm-hmm. AI. And mm-hmm. I followed people who were doing like little silly AI products right. and all this stuff. Right. And I was really sort of, I thought it was really cool and I liked it a lot. And I feel like I've had to become a little bit jaded about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't think it's a tool that has a lot of promise and that's really cool and really interesting and that has an uncertain but exciting future. Right. But I'm really sort of not a fan of the direction that it's going specifically because I think if it is unsuccessful, then it's a interesting toy. It's a fun diversion, right? right? right. It's the same thing it's always been. And it's, I, I can be really interested in it, but I'm actually wary of it becoming more useful mm-hmm. and a better technology. Uh, there's a really good sort of Tom Scott video about 
the you know future of AI and what that could mean and what the different possible sort of futures of AI mean. And it's because I see it being turned into uh, a product and really commercialized heavily. Mm-hmm. And the the whole thing is that there's a lot of people saying that it's going to replace a lot of jobs, right? And there have been technologies replacing jobs for forever. Right. But if AI gets really developed, the pitches, and I think it's possible, although I don't know how likely, is that it's going to replace a lot of jobs that we didn't think were that replaceable right. uh, relatively quickly. Right. And the thing that I hate about that is that uh, it's going to do the exact same thing that all these technologies have always done, which is that people want to replace the jobs so that the rich people who have control over AI and have the licenses for it can stop paying as many people and just have more money. And it's not going to make life better for really anyone because the people who are going to be benefiting from it already don't need the money, right? right? Right. And the people whose jobs are going to be replaced uh, don't have anything. Um, to, to gain from it, right? The, right? the benefits from it of a sort of a society transformed by AI yeah. where there's less and less jobs. Uh, I saw a talk of like a bunch of like business and tech people yeah. talking about it. And their sort of prediction was that there was going to be prompt engineer was going to be a new job, which is people just creating uh, better prompts or figuring out how to make prompts to get what you want out of AI better. basically translators right Right. because it turns out that you need to talk to the ai a little bit differently than you talk to a person uh, to get the best response out of it and then they said well so we think this is going to be a tool and then once people engineer prompts and once ai improves that'll be a job for a couple years so people will learn this skill and then two years or four years later those people will be out of a job right and then they'll have to learn a new skill and so that people you know in sort of the middle class are going to have to be constantly reskilling to maintain any sort of career um And somebody asked them, like, what about, like, you know, universal basic income? Like, what are we going to do, right? If we're getting rid of all these jobs. And they were like, oh, well, I don't think we're ready yet for universal basic income, like, as a society. And, you know, it made me want to, like, scream because I'm like, who's we, right? Who's we as a society? Because, you know, there were investors there. There were people who had significant stakes in AI companies. There were, you know, there was a lot of the people who were building these things and stood something to gain. Or were, you know, speculative. Right. And it was a lot of sort of like really educated uh, people in high status, high paying positions. Right. And, you know, when they say we as a society, when you're when it's dismissed, like it's some third party who's not ready for it. Right. You know, I was sitting in a room with a lot of the people who get to sort of make that decision. Right. right. More right. than much more than the average person. Mm-hmm. And so by sort of passing it off as there is sort of the group isn't ready for it and not taking any personal responsibility and then Mm -hmm. somebody was like you know i if we're like replacing work uh you know i like to spend a lot of like my time working like i want to like work like long hours right uh so i don't you know want to be like just stop working if like ai replaces jobs and it it was so not even relevant to the conversation because universal basic income isn't stopping anybody from working. You know, right. they said that I'm like, I, I wanted to say like, nobody's stopping you from working. Right. Just cause you're getting paid well, enough to live. Like is the only reason that you're working to accumulate more money than the person next to you. I mean, like what's your, it's a rhetorical technique, right? Where, yeah. you know, um, when did you stop abusing your wife? Like where the yeah. question itself, you posed it in a way to frame it with some baked in assumptions yeah. that if people just take it, at face value, you've already led them into yeah. a, a, a different kind of discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you mentioned too about the technology, I learned 
not too long ago about yeah. Luddites. You know the term Luddites? Yeah. It's used as to refer to people or the idea that there are people who oppose technology. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is I, I learned that the Luddites weren't opposed to technology. Mm. They were opposed to losing their jobs. Mm. So what they did was they actually destroyed machinery. These are, I, I can't remember. I mean, this was like 1800s English um, workers yeah. who were destroying machinery that had been automating jobs because they were expecting to lose their jobs. So they weren't opposed to mm. the technology. They were opposed to being mistreated. I mean, in, in some ways, they're like an early union. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And so then the, the term Luddite was kind of like a propaganda hatchet job. Yes. People repurpose the term. That's that's interesting. Yes. I thought it'd be interesting because it's relevant to what we were just talking about. Yeah. So it's it's funny because I, I've followed this thing and I've liked it. Yeah. And I thought it was cool for so many years. Yes. And now... Like Tesla. <laughs> like I thought Tesla was cool for a long time because it, it, there was a lot of things that were really appealing to me. Right, right. And, you know, the, I thought crypto... I thought Bitcoin and crypto was a really interesting thing. I learned about how it worked right. as sort of like, oh, this is like an interesting idea. This is like a cool, like sort of tech right. solution right. to a problem that I hadn't even thought of. But like, right. if you take for granted that this worldview is, there's something to it, right? Right, right. Uh, The sort of more libertarian worldview. This is a really interesting way of trying to solve that. Right. And it takes a lot of theory and stuff. And you know, I thought Bitcoin was cool when there were people talking about it, when it was, you know, it had value, right? It was picking up some hype in Steam, but it had not hit sort of the real big time. The to the moon hype? The, yeah. The, that fanaticism? Yeah, because I think it just kept ratcheting up. I think by the time I had heard about it uh, and I was hearing about sort of the pure theory part of it, it was probably already the beginning of the end. Where right. it had sort of hit that critical mass of people who were looking for the wrong things out of it. Right. For it to stay sort of a just a cool idea. Right. Uh, but, like, a lot of these things are cool and interesting and they do something, right? Yes. And then they reach sort of not the wrong people because I think those types of people <laughs> were with it from the start, right. right? I think, you know, for all these sort of really weird tech speculation stuff right, right right from the start part of the reason why this stuff is being funded and looked into is there are some people who are looking for it to change everything and who are looking to get their payday from it and that's right. why that there are some people holding on to it but i think there's um for all of them there's a time before anybody really saw it on the horizon yeah. there's a time before there was sort of blood in the water right and the sharks began to circle it right as an idea where it was a lot of the people working with it were just people doing weird silly stuff like so right. um carrie uh kh uh is a, like a youtuber who did like a lot of weird ai projects mm -hmm. and his final product for a lot of these would be things that like half worked and were interesting and weird right. and kind of never like always bad enough that you could never imagine like that being like a product or a service that existed in the world it was always kind of like a fun little sort of like tinkering project with tech right that was really interesting to sort of look right. at and consider and you know i think ai stuff might be kind of like the next bitcoin mm -hmm. and why i'm like more worried about it is because it's a lot cooler and it actually does a lot more stuff. And a lot of the promises that Bitcoin made, Bitcoin and sort of cryptocurrencies did a very narrow set of things. Yeah. And people promised the moon. They promised everything. Right, right. right. And the problem is that AI actually does a lot more stuff. And it's a, a lot more 
instantly obvious to a consumer. You don't need to pitch them as hard why right. it can change stuff and why it's really cool. And uh, that makes me more nervous about it because I think even though it there's going to be a lot less fully like outright lies, there's going to be a it's lot more, more of the promises are deliverable. Right. It's going to be more disruptive to what we know. But I still pe- see people doing that same sort of overhyping yeah. where they're promising the moon, they're promising everything. And I think especially when you look at how uh, AI is being used and like how large language models are being used to deliver information and knowledge to people, but mm-hmm. like screwing it up mm-hmm. pretty bad, mm-hmm. uh, that it can be a lot more dangerous, right? Yeah. Because it's giving people access to what feels like really pat and easy answers. And it's, you know ever so slightly sort of like corrupting the information that people have in their heads. And I say ever so slightly, sometimes it's just very wrong. So what's interesting, something I've been reading about in parallel to that, that's not really the same problem, but it's related to chat GBT is that I've read, because I I try to stay informed in in certain spaces that there's certain science fiction, short story markets that are becoming inundated with fake, like, AI generated short stories yeah to the point where they are no longer accepting open submission so there's at least three reasonably big science fiction markets that have yeah. closed to submissions because in order they have to read them they have to open the mail open the document and yeah. read them and the problem is people have seen the AI generated um, text yeah and see that as a way of just making money. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that the, one of the the funny theories that I've heard is that well, people who are self published, yeah, they see that they have whatever many books they sell a small number of units and they make a small amount of money. Yeah, they think all they need to do it's is a scale volume that up. game, right? It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that this, if I write a million books, no right. matter how good they are, and I make some of them are going to sell some. If I make a dollar on a book, but I if I make bringing, a dollar on average, yeah, yeah, and I have a million books, then I'll make a million dollars. Right, and so the unintended consequence is what they've done is they've shut down some uh, open markets. Yeah. Until they've come up with a solution for dealing with it in, on scale, so that it doesn't overwhelm them. Because the problem I think is that this, I and I this is the part I learned that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Is that a lot of short fiction markets yeah. that are not genre so yeah. not mystery not science fiction pay crap that they pay in contributors copies which is not a way to make a living yeah. and that the science fiction market pays i don't know not even great but it's like 10 cents on the dollar or something mm-hmm. and so to be considered a pro market to be eligible for membership in the speculative is it science fiction fantasy writers of america or i have no clue i can't remember or writers association like they've changed what the the letters stand for over time but Mm. that it's um the only reason why these genre markets have been targeted is because they actually pay money so there's like a a real return there's well there's a potential return yeah but they're not writing their own stories they're giving prompts and letting the AI write what apparently are very bad stories. It's like the even easier, even lower quality version of, uh, like, Amazon, like, an audiobook scamming. That was, like, a thing where people would uh, find a trending topic, hire a ghostwriter mm-hmm. at, like, really sort of, like, reduced, like, barely, like, livable, like, rates right. to, like, write a book on uh, basically a combination of, like, buzzwords. Right. And then they would hire, like, a voice actor to, like, record it and then just post that. So that was that was a scam a little while ago, 
and then I think it's no longer valuable as a scam. So now there's a secondary scam market of people basically selling that scam to people as a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, there was a really oh, good uh, Folding Ideas video on it. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah. it's like that, but even lower quality, where you're trying to just get ridiculously fast turnaround right. on right. content that is meant to trick some people into giving you money but not be sort of valuable to anybody you're trying to actually yeah. uh sort of reduce the value of content that you can get online by making it possible to be tricked into buying something that's total garbage right right yeah all right so we're are we should i say we're running out of time i think we need to do something to bring it back to justice so the funny thing was somebody commented i think a week or two ago saying that you should put injustice in your title so people can find this yeah and it would be true i guess if we spent more time talking about injustice on each episode. Now, hold on. I should mention then part of the talking will be the video that you're watching here, yeah. which is an earth to Solomon Grundy team where instead of, so the first twist that we put into it, I don't even know so much a twist. The first point we made when we first started doing earth to Solomon Grundy videos was to say, Hey, maybe when you want an earth Two team, you don't want all three earth Two characters mm -hmm. that killer frost is a good third team member because it really enhances the, Mm -hmm. the power generation dampening. Mm -hmm. And so we've done that. But then the next best thing is putting in hot girl, because with Tantu totem, birth to Solomon Grundy is a really, he's a totally legitimate special specialist. Mm. When his special two is broken up, each piece does a significant amount of damage and he has the chance to knock out a bunch of people. So he's not, he doesn't have the same problem that the newer characters have where only the last hit of their special two can knock out a character, mm. an opponent. It's a pretty good team. But I'm really looking forward to next week's team, which I've already been playing around with again, which is Static. And there's a really neat combination that I, I've i been playing with with Static that works just as well. Like, it's just, I don't know, there's something about it, there's a synergy about it that of non-team members or non-universe members mm -hmm. that makes it so much more fun. But yeah, take a look. Earth to Solomon Grundy, great character. You overcome his slow basics. By making him your special specialist. Mm. And that's uh, that's the point. So there we go. We should have a question though. Yeah, we'll do one question. I do want to say one last thing. Which okay, is just sure. like sort of my wrap up of this, this whole AI and work discussion. Okay. I touched on it later, but I want to say it more explicitly. When we are developing technology that allows us to have the exact same world, have the exact same amount of sort of net productivity with less human labor. Mm -hmm. When we are doing things that automate people's work. Right. We should be making life easier for people, not harder, not Correct. more uncertain, not more inequitable. And I, I, you know, I don't have an easy answer for you, but I just think it feels like it should be so fundamental. Answer. Universal income. Yeah. That's e easy. It's true. I think there's systemic things, but I don't have an easy answer for any individual who's hearing that to go, okay, what do I do with that? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just yeah. think we are, we should be in a like unprecedented period of being able to like find meaning in our life in right. our on our own terms right. and not based off of sort of a struggle for survival and we continue yes. to make arbitrary struggles for survival when uh we we solve and privatize uh sort of lesser struggles when we take a lot of the work the network that yeah, needs to be done out of right, the world right. when we, we just make up new things to do and right. we reduce the security of uh right. The poor and the middle class. The solutions should benefit everybody. Yeah. 
that's really it, right? Like the, yeah, no, mm-hmm. absolutely. A hundred percent agree with you. It just feels like such an easy, obvious thing to me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly not, yeah. but okay. Uh, so our, our first question of the week comes from Bree and they say, hi, I just did silver breakthrough and it only allowed me to buy one card for my character. And then the button disappeared. And also character doesn't receive any XP points. Is it okay? hundred percent. So this is something, sometimes it's easy to forget that there are always newer players coming along. Yeah. And it's it's a nice reminder. We appreciate that when people discover our channel, that they're willing to engage and ask questions. I think there's something to be said for the idea, even though it's not right, of the phrase, there's no such thing as a bad question, because there are bad questions. Yeah. But there, most of them are actually pretty good. There are bad questions. It's but very hard to have a good faith bad question. Right. I think that's it, right? It's good faith. That's the, yeah. the key part. And because I don't know that there's a good explanation for this anywhere. Um, or if there is, I think it happens when you go through breakthrough the first time yeah. and then it never comes up again. So you can't, there's, you know, sometimes we have an answer to a question that you didn't ask where you don't have the context for understanding information. Yeah. That it's harder to... Where they just throw something at you. The right. tutorial comes too early. Right. So I think that there's, uh, it's hard for people to understand that information as they get it and it's hard to bring it back at a time when they have more experience to understand what it's talking about yeah so the key is each time you win breakthrough and you pick one character to get that breakthrough that only takes them one level up so um when you break so the limit is uh seven elite seven yeah breakthrough lets you get to elite eight then you have to do another breakthrough for that one character to nine and then one more time to 10. And it isn't until you get to 10 that you unlock the potential to go from level 50 to level 60. And that's when you accumulate XP again. Yeah. So the way it's behaving is exactly right. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. One more copy and then no more XP. It's just an extra elite level, right? Right. And so the harder thing is if it's a character that you've built up from packs and you've never unlocked them in the challenge or they're maybe a multiplayer exclusive. Yeah. Then you, even when you do break through, but you, if you don't, don't have extra copies on hand, you can't buy more, right? You can't actually take advantage of the breakthrough. So they have the potential to get to elite eight mm-hmm. or elite nine or elite 10, depending on how many times you put them through. But it will look like you can't because you don't have the copy to do it. Yeah. And it's not because it's the breakthrough didn't work. It's because the mechanics of a character that's unlocked in the store, you mm-hmm. just need credits. Character mechanics of a character that you've never unlocked, you actually need to get another copy of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to get another card from a pack or subsequently unlock them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. Is that is that all of our questions this time or are we gonna do one more? Um Yeah, I think there's an important one because it's it's time sensitive. Maybe we'll do the next okay. one. So Frenemy Gaming asks, Hey bro, please, my phone suddenly restarted and had an issue. When I open Injustice game, they tell me Injustice is having problems connecting to other Google Play services that are not available, of which I have the Play services and Play games. Please, how can I solve this issue? It suddenly stopped my Phantom mode from opening. I have missed it twice now. Right. So the key, I think, is that this is something that's happened with the game and Google Play services. They are no longer working together. You cannot log into your Google play account through injustice yeah this has happened before it happened i thought it was more recent but it looks Mm. like it happened based on my notes maybe like two and a half three years ago it probably something about google play services updated in some way yes uh and so there are sort of new things that 
every app needs to do in order to use all of the features. Right. And so this is sort of their like pre-prepared something is went wrong message. Yes, yes. Uh, and what they need to do is go in and make it compliant with the new Google Play, right. however that works. So the reassuring thing is that even a few years ago when they hadn't had updates for a while, yeah. that they were still willing to do not a content update, but a bug fix update to make yeah. this better. So the best glitch, which is a challenge reset, will does require this to be working and yeah. it's not working now. So unfortunately, you're going to basically have to play the game limited to exactly what's possible now. And you're going to have to rely mm-hmm. on WBID to save your progress because your Google Cloud save will no longer do it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not just you. It is anybody on Android right now. And we are very hopeful that a bug fix will come up. Last time it took uh, maybe a couple weeks. Yeah. So maybe this will be a, a better indicator. I mean, we haven't had any real indications about how much they're paying attention to injustice and trying to keep it running. Yeah. And whether they come up with a bug fix for this or not, like an update to injustice in order to make it compatible with Google Play services will tell us a lot more about how far along the it the death spiral yeah. injustice gods among us is taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. Fingers crossed we see an update soon. We are hopeful. Listen, we love yeah. this game. We hope so. So, to finish up, I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza Chat GPT Caton. Uh, she is a large uh, language model. She just, you ask her something, you tell her something, and she just spits a bunch of words out that were generated by the internet. Totally. Right. It's all. <laughs> I, I don't really know where I'm going with this. It just feels... You would be better if you got ChatGPT to help you out. I should. I should get... I should try ChatGPT and see if it can write some nickname jokes. Okay. Maybe. Probably not very well, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this shout-out was brought to you by uh, AI, and it's uh, imminent or non-imminent uh, improvements, and either it's replacement of jobs or the sort of upcoming bust as all the people who have invested yeah. into it uh, find out that it is just kind of a cool and fun thing for people to mess around with mm-hmm. and not the next big industrial revolution. Right. We'll see. Okay. We'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the very real non-robot uh, supporters of us on Patreon. And that would be Corey Ashcraft supporting us at the last word tier. Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, Hoshi127, and Drew Chapman who are supporting us on the credited level. Mm-hmm. And all the lovely people who have given us any support during this pandemic, whose names you should be seeing or have seen uh, pass by you on the screen. Yeah, so thanks so much for your support and thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.